Well, I appreciate that, Miss April. If you'll stand with us, the book of Daniel, chapter number 7 this morning. Daniel, chapter 7. And uh, I like them songs, amen? And uh, they just got God on them. And uh, all of these contemporary songs, well, all of them, for that matter, they'll come and they'll go. But thank God, these old songs, they just last, amen? And uh, because they got the touch of God on them, and I praise the Lord for that. Daniel, chapter 7 this morning, and we'll begin reading in verse number 1. And then we'll have a word of prayer and you can be seated. Daniel 7 and verse number 1. The Bible says, In the first year of Belshazzar king of Babylon, Daniel had a dream and visions of his head upon his bed. Then he wrote the dream and told the sum of the matters. Daniel spake and said, I saw in my vision by night, and behold, the four winds of the heaven strove upon the great sea. Verse number 3. And four great beasts came up from the sea, divers one from another, diverse one from another. The first was like a lion and had eagle's wings. I beheld till the wings thereof were plucked and it was lifted up from the earth and made stand upon the feet as a man and a man's heart was given to it. Verse 5 says, And behold, another beast, a second like to a bear. And it raised up itself on one side and had three ribs in in its mouth of it between the teeth of it. And they said thus unto it, Arise, devour much flesh. After this I beheld and lo another like a leopard which had upon the back of its four wings of a fowl. The beast had also four heads and dominion was given to it. After this I saw in the night visions and behold a fourth beast dreadful and terrible and strong exceedingly. And it had great iron teeth that devoured and break in pieces and stamped the residue with the feet of it. And it was diverse from all the beasts that were before it and it had ten horns. I considered the horns, and behold, there came up among them another little horn, before whom there were three of the first horns plucked up by the roots. And behold, in this horn were eyes like the eyes of a man, and a mouth speaking great things. And I beheld till the thrones were cast down, and the Ancient of Days did sit, whose garment was white as snow, and the hair of his head like the pure wool. His thrones was like the fiery flame." And his wheels as burning fire. A fiery stream issued and came forth from him. Thousands, thousands ministered unto him. And ten thousands time, ten thousands stood before him. The judgment was set. The books were open. I beheld then because the voice of the great words which the horn spake. I beheld even till the beasts were slain. His body destroyed and given to the burning flame. And I want to stop right there and say amen. Hallelujah. As concerning the rest of the beasts, they, were, they had their dominion taken away, yet their lives were prolonged for a season. I saw in the night vision, and behold, one like the Son of Man came with the clouds of heaven and came to the Ancient of Days, and they brought him near before him. And they were given him dominion and glory and a kingdom that all people, nations, and language should serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion which shall not pass away, and his kingdom that shall not be destroyed. Father, I want to thank you this morning for the Word of God. I want to thank you that we have the truth of the Word of God. I pray now for the next few moments that we would not say anything that would grieve the Holy Spirit. But Lord, I pray for wisdom. I pray, God, for leadership and direction. Help us, God, this morning. I pray that you'd fill us with the Holy Ghost. I pray you'd speak to every heart, save the lost, and reclaim the backslid. Bind the devil, Lord. I pray and remove any hindrances this morning. Dear God, may you have the preeminence and do what needs to be done and we'll love you and thank you and praise you. In Christ's name we do pray, amen, amen. You can be seated this morning. 
I want to preach a few minutes this morning on this subject, on five empires in Bible prophecy. Five empires in Bible prophecy. You know, when you come to the book of Daniel in chapter number seven, things are about to dramatically change. In chapters 1 through 6, as we preached these last few weeks, God willing, uh, we've dealt with Daniel and his personal friends. Everything from chapter 1 to chapter 6 has been about Daniel and his friends living in Babylon amongst the Babylonian people and dealing with Babylonian kings. But the last six chapters of this book does not deal with the history of Daniel. It deals with the prophecy of the Jews. Amen? It does not deal with Daniel and his uh, personal friends, but it deals with Daniel and his people's future. If you go back and study these last six chapters that we have preached from, uh, you'll note that Daniel in chapter number two and verse number four, he used what the Bible called uh, a Syriac language. It was an old Syrian language, and when Daniel spoke, he spoke in Aramaic. And the reason for that was because what Daniel had to say in chapter one through chapter number six was primarily spoken to the kings of Babylon and was dealing with the Babylonian people. But now the last half is far greater than the first half. The reason for that is because Daniel is not going to speak in Aramaic, but now he's going to speak in Hebrew. You might say, well, preacher, why would he talk in Hebrew? Because he's no longer dealing with the Babylonians in Babylon, but he's dealing with the fate of the Jews and the fate of Jerusalem. Amen? He is going from history, and now he is turning to prophecy. Amen. Now, I don't know about anybody else this morning, but if there's any subject outside of Calvary that thrills me, it is prophecy. Amen. Brother, we're living in the most exciting days and the most exciting hours. You say, but the world is wicked and the world is bad. I know that. But Jesus may come at any moment. Thank God. And if I couldn't be there at Calvary, then I sure would like to be there in the rapture of the church when Jesus comes again. Amen. When Daniel comes to this chapter here, chapter 7 really ought to be between uh, after chapter 4 and between chapter 5. You say, why is that, preacher? Because uh, the first phrase of chapter 7 says, uh, in the first year of Belshazzar, king of Babylon. Amen. And if you remember in chapter 5, uh, Belshazzar was killed uh, uh, simply because he drank out of those golden and silver vessels. Amen. So this dream happened uh, uh, right after after Nebuchadnezzar had been humbled uh, and before Belshazzar had been killed. But think about this with me for just a moment this morning. In this chapter here, Daniel deals with the introduction of his vision. He deals with the information of his vision and then he deals with the interpretation of his vision. Now we're not going to preach all 28 verses this morning for time would not allow us. But what I want you to see this morning in this passage is this. uh, Is that Daniel in this vision, he sees five uh, empires. Amen? Five empires. Uh, Now these empires are important because they correlate with the the image that Nebuchadnezzar saw in chapter number 2 when he saw that golden head uh, and he saw that silver breast and arms uh, and he saw that brass belly and thighs uh, and legs of iron uh, and toes or feet of iron and clay. All of this is a representation uh, of the superpowers that has been 
and the superpowers that will come. And here's Daniel now. He's in Babylon and Daniel sees this vision here. And my friend, what Daniel is going to say is not going to deal with the history of Babylon, but it's going to deal with the prophecy of Jerusalem. Amen. I want to say we just had last week uh, Honor Israel Day and thank God for Israel. Can somebody say amen to that? I like that that sign that somebody put up, we stand with Israel, amen? And as long as we stand with Israel, God will stand with us. Uh, And God has blessed this nation because of their ally to the nation of Israel. But when we come to this chapter this morning, I want you to see in verse number two, Daniel spake and said, I saw in my vision by night, and behold, the four winds of the heaven strove upon the great sea. Now just hang with me a few moments this morning. I promise you we are headed somewhere Amen. As Daniel is seeing this vision here, he talks about the great sea. And that great sea is the Mediterranean Sea. You see in that Palestine area, uh, you've got the Euphrates River and that's the eastern border, the eastern line uh, for that Middle East countries uh, and those that live in that area. But the Mediterranean Sea is that western border. You say, preacher, why is that so important? Because the Bible said in the book of Revelation that an angel is going to come down and he's going to dry up that riverbed of the Euphrates River. And what that's going to do, it's going to open up a way and all of the kings of the east uh, are going to unite with the kings of the west uh, in the valley of Jehoshaphat and they're going to get ready to do battle against the Son of God. Amen. And Daniel is looking now and he sees this great sea. And in this great sea, he sees four beasts that come out of it. Each beast represents an empire. And he says in verse number five here, or verse number four, he sees this first beast uh, and it represents Babylon. He said the first was like a lion and had eagle's wings uh, and I beheld till the wings thereof were plucked and it was lifted up from the earth and made stand upon the feet as a man and a man's heart was given to it. Now when you think about this first beast here, it deals with the supremacy of the Babylonian empire. You say, preacher, what does that mean? Well, the Bible says in verse number four, that that first beast was like a lion. Now when you think about a lion, a lion is king of the jungle. Can I get a witness right there? A lion is that supreme animal. Uh, When you think about a lion, it is swift. Uh, It is ferocious. Uh, It is powerful. When you look at a lion's mane uh, and you see the color of that lion, it's got its glory. All of this represents Babylon. Though there's been other great empires and great superpowers, uh, none of them could ever compare to the riches and the power of Babylon Babylon the great we know that we've not seen Babylon for the last time for Revelation chapter 13 there's another beast coming out of the sea and the Bible talks about the mystery of great Babylon amen all of this is pointing to Bible prophecy and so that first beast he sees is Babylon and the supremacy of that empire then notice with me in verse number 5 he said and behold another beast a second like to a bear that is the savagery of my friend the Medo and the Persians when you think about that empire this empire came in like just a bear a bear's not quite as swift it's not quite as glorious it's just brutal amen and that's what the Medo Persians did when they came in and they wiped out Babylon they destroyed them it was a bloodbath and we'll not go 
go in the history of that this morning, but simply put like this, it was very savagery, amen? And Daniel is seeing all these events take place. While Belshazzar was sitting and drinking them golden vessels, Persia was already knocking at his door. And when the handwriting on the wall, they came in and they killed him that very night. And Daniel is seeing all this in the first year of Belshazzar the king's reign. He sees this second empire and it represents uh, uh, the, bre- the, uh, uh, the silver uh, breast and the silver arms. The Medo and the Persians represent uh, those silver arms that Nebuchadnezzar saw in Daniel chapter number two. And then he sees another empire. He sees this third empire and it represents the swiftness of the Grecian empire. As he said, after this I beheld and lo, another like a leopard which had upon the back of it four wings of a fowl and the beast had also four heads and dominion was given to it. Now this represents Alexander the Great and when you think about Alexander the Great, it only took him 10 years uh, to catch up uh, with the Medo-Persians. I mean in 10 years, uh, Greece just rose to mighty power and Alexander the Great, my friend, walked across this world uh, and walked across this uh, continent uh, uh, my friend, conquering every uh, uh, one that ever came in his path uh, and like a leopard, very swift, he took down the Medo-Persians. But as quick as he took them down in his height and his success, Alexander the Great was taken down also. You see what Daniel is seeing here is the rise and the fall of these superpowers. You mark it down, no nation will last forever. Not even America this morning. As great of a superpower as America is and as much as she tries to police the world, there's two things America cannot do. Number one, she cannot ever bring everlasting peace to this world. And number two, she cannot last forever. I remind you that in the New Testament, in Matthew chapter 24, in Revelation 19, wherever you want to look in the New Testament, in the book of Jude, uh, anywhere you want to go, you will not find America in the last days. Uh, Something dramatically has happened to this nation. Something has happened to make it so insignificant that my friend, she is not even recorded in the pages of the scriptures uh, in the last days. Uh, I do not know what will happen to America Uh, but only God knows Uh, but my friend as Daniel looks uh, he sees my friend that bear and the Bible said he had three ribs in his mouth Uh, that represents the nations that that bear uh, destroyed Lydia, Babylon and Egypt and then he sees this leopard uh, and the Bible says that upon its back was four wings of a fowl representing the swiftness uh, of that Grecian empire as it took down uh, the Medo-Persians and the Medo-Persians took down the Babylonians uh, one right after another. But if you'll notice with me, in verse number seven, there's a fourth Roman, a, a fourth power, and it's the Roman Empire. The Bible said, after this, I saw in the night visions, and behold, a fourth beast, dreadful and terrible. And watch this, strong exceedingly, and it had iron teeth, and it devoured and break in pieces. Now, when you think about this beast coming out of the sea, it's the most hideous beast of all of them. As it comes out of this sea here, it represents...
represents the Roman Empire. What was and what shall be. You see, my friend, the Roman Empire is going to be revised. Amen. Rome is not dead forever, but Rome is going to rise again. And Rome is going to play a central part in Bible prophecy in the last days, in the tribulation period in particular. And Daniel is seeing all of this. You think about a man that didn't have a complete Old Testament, a man that didn't have a New Testament, a man that didn't know nothing about Bible prophecy, but God pulls back the curtain of time and gives him the ABCs of Bible prophecy and shows him the empires that is and that are to come. And Daniel is looking at all of this and he's seeing one empire rise and fall after another and he sees the Roman Empire and he sees this empire as one having iron legs. Now think about that this morning. Nebuchadnezzar saw that great image, didn't he? And in that great image, those, le- those legs took up half of that image and they were made of iron. It represents the strength of the Roman Empire. When you think about the Babylonian Empire, it was only 70 years long. When you think about the Medo-Persians, it was 200 years long. Uh, the Grecian Empire was 180 years long. But I want to tell you something. The Roman Empire was 500 years longer than all of those empires put together. That's a long time, isn't it? They instituted crucifixion. When Isaiah wrote the 53rd chapter, Roman crucifixion had not even been instituted. Rome instituted the most brutal punishments that any nation had ever seen. They built their coliseums. They murdered Christians. They had their games, their Olympic games, and they brought them in, and they destroyed them. Nero used to take Christian women, and he would note them by their long flowing garments and their long flowing hair, and he would capture them, and he would dip them in oil, and he would tie a rope around their ankles and hoist them up around the coliseum, and their long hair would drip down, and their long garments would drip down with oil dripping off of them. Nero was so wicked and so vile that he would take a torch and he would light the hair of those young Christian virgin girls and he would literally light up his Colosseum and they would become human in furrows as he would destroy and he would murder Christians. We got people that lay in the bed on Sunday morning because they got a cold. People gave their life for us to be able to worship God. That Bible that I hold in my hand, William Tyndale, those, my friend, that that stood upon this Bible and translated, they were burned at the stake. They were given to wild beasts. They were in prison. They gave their lives so we could have a book. And the average Christian today won't even read it. Well, we've come a long way, haven't we? Brother, you know why that is? Because we're in a lukewarm age when people can't even take preaching anymore. You preach the least little bit. I was preaching the other day and some young person come up to me after service and said, man, that was some hard preaching. I said, son, that wasn't even, I wasn't even scratching the surface, amen? I mean, they, you, you say something now that just sets somebody off and they think you're preaching hard. I remember the day, friend, when they ran over you and turned around and came back again, amen? And thank God for some old time leather lung preaching. But we live in an ultra sensitive society where everybody wants to make everybody happy. A lot of Joel Osteen preaching, a lot of preaching just to pacify people. I'm not interested in pacifying people. I'm interested in delivering somebody's soul from a devil's hell. I'm interested in just preaching the truth, unadulterated, unfiltered, as God put it in this book. Amen. 
You say, preacher, what's that got to do with Daniel 7? I'm going to tell you what it has to do with it. When Daniel saw these empires rise and fall, he said two times in this passage that it troubled him. Daniel could not understand everything, but what he did understand, he knew this, that the Jews were going to face much persecution. Daniel sees these empires rise and fall and as he looks he sees ten horns coming out representing a European federation that one day is going to take place and amongst those ten horns is a little horn the Bible says that comes out and it takes away three of those horns meaning that's the antichrist that little horn and he's going to take out three of those kings that probably are not going to comply with him but he sees these ten horns and he sees this other little horn that's the revised Roman Empire the Antichrist he's going to rule in the last days Rome is not dead forever friends hold on just a minute I preached every bit of that to just preach this one point because you got to have all that to have this Daniel is standing there he sees Babylon he sees that he sees that golden head of that image he sees the middle Persian that he sees that breast and arms of silver and then Daniel sees, uh, he sees the, the belly and the thighs of, uh, of, uh, of brass and he rep- that represents the Grecians, uh, Alexander the Great that has not come in Daniel's day yet but has in our day. Then he sees uh, those mighty legs of iron where most of our strength is always in our legs. Uh, he sees the strength uh, of the Roman Empire, the savagery of uh, my friend, the Medo-Persians, uh, the supremacy of my friend, uh, the Babylonians, the swiftness uh, of the uh, of the, the Grecian Empire. He sees every bit of it. But don't you remember something? In Daniel chapter 2, when he was revealing that dream to Nebuchadnezzar, he talked about a stone that had been taken out of a mountain, not made with hands. And that stone, Daniel now begins to define it a little bit more. And he calls that stone something else in verse number 9. He said, I beheld till the thrones were cast down. And look at this. The Bible said, and the ancient of days did sit. I don't know about you, but that makes me want to shout this morning. Because every empire leading up to this verse has risen and fallen. Every empire up to this verse has had dominion. It's had, uh, listen, it's had deterioration and it's had destruction. But when you come to this last empire, I'm reminded of what Isaiah said in chapter number nine when he said the government shall be on his shoulders uh, and of his kingdom there shall be no end. Amen. There's coming an empire that Daniel sees in verse number nine uh, throughout verse number 14 uh, that will not be destroyed, uh, that will not deteriorate. Uh, It's an eternal and everlasting lasting empire. It's the most supreme. It's the most swiftness. It's the most splendorous empire that man could ever know. You see, my friend, the devil has always wanted to rule this earth and he's tried to have dominion over it, but he's never been able to have a world empire. But one day there's one coming that my friend will sit on the throne of David in Jerusalem. He'll rule this earth with a rod of iron for 1,000 glorious years. He'll prove to everyone in this society in this world and in the world to come that he is the king superb and supreme that he's the king eternal and that he's the one that's in control hallelujah I'll tell you something about Jesus he's not going to be in control he's in control right now and he's always been in control 
Brother, before there was ever a Medo-Persian, before there was ever a Nebuchadnezzar the Great, you know who made them great? It was God that allowed them to be who they were. It was God that set them up and it was God that's gonna take them down. And one of these days, uh, there's coming a time when the Antichrist will rule this earth. Uh, but hang on, uh, that's not the end of it. Jesus is coming, friend. Uh, he's coming, hallelujah. And when he comes, uh, the Bible says in verse number 13 that they'll be destroyed and they'll be given to a burning flame. Hallelujah. You say, well, preacher, that sure seems like a long ways away. I'm going to tell you something. If the trumpet sounds right now, it's seven years. That's how close we are to what we're preaching this morning. Seven years from today, if the trumpet sounds, that old boy's going in the fire. Won't that be something? I'm telling you this morning, if there's ever been a time we need a burden for souls, if there's ever been a time we need to be passing out tracts and telling people and weeping over sinners, if there's ever been a time the church needs to be on fire, if there's ever, need, ever been a time we need to wake out of our sleep and quit sitting through services and get in on the services, if there's ever been a time uh, when we need to get right with God and get off our backslid uh, uh, state and get somewheres and do something for God, if there's ever been a time uh, when we need to go to our loved ones and our friends and tell them about Jesus Christ, uh, it's now, friend. It's not tomorrow. It's not next week. It's not next year. If the trumpet sounds, uh, they're forever lost if they don't get saved. If the trumpet sounds this morning, friend, you don't have till tonight to get right with God. you got this invitation. You got this hour. You got this breath. You got this heartbeat. And if you don't get saved this morning, you're going to be left behind forever and ever. What a day that's going to be. Daniel saw every bit of this. And I thought about even in the day we're living in, Daniel saw these visions and they were all in the form of a beast. You think about the day we're living. We're, we're living so deep in Bible prophecy and most people go about their business and don't even realize it. You think about the British lion, the Chinese dragon, the American eagle. Think about all these nations that, that they identify themselves with what? A beast. Daniel saw every bit of that. And Daniel said, there's somebody coming called the Ancient of Days. And he said, he, this man that's coming, he said his garment in verse 9 was white as snow. His hair of his head was like pure wool. His throne was like a fiery flame. His wheels as a burning fire. Daniel saw him sitting on a throne. It looked like a, a fiery chariot. And that wool, he said his hairs were as white as wool, talking about the ancient of days, the wisdom, and, and talking about the, uh, the, the one that always has been. He talked about his garment being white, talking about the holiness and the purity. You know what God's going to do when Jesus comes? He's going to set this world in order is what he's going to do. He's going to take everything that's crooked and everything that's perverted and everything that's out of order, and friend, he's going to put it in order. Amen? I'm telling you, there's no 
not going to be a creek and a valley or a meadow anywhere that God hadn't straightened the whole outfit out. Amen? There ain't going to be no more lying. There ain't going to be no more cheating. There ain't going to be no more gambling. There ain't going to be no more sinning. There ain't going to be no more wickedness anymore. There's going to be holiness on the bells of horses and streams in the desert and a highway of holiness that's going to run from here to Jerusalem and everybody's going to be singing his praises and the whole earth is going to be filled with the knowledge of God. You won't be able to go anywhere without somebody talking about Jesus. Hallelujah. You know what the world wants today? They want a religion with no Jesus. They want preachers that won't say nothing about Jesus. They, want, they don't mind church buildings. They don't mind pretty singing, but they don't want to be identified with Christianity. They don't want to retain God in their knowledge. But brother, I'm telling you, there's coming a day when you won't be able to go nowhere. You can go in the deepest holler and the birds are going to be singing amazing grace and the buzzards are going to be singing, oh, how I love Jesus. Brother, it's going to be everywhere. The whole earth, it's going to be filled with the knowledge of the holy. It's going to be holiness and we're going to be a holy people. Hallelujah. Woo! Thank God. You want to talk about an empire. Brother, when you can walk out on your front porch in New York City and see the glow of Jerusalem shining from the other side of the world. Hallelujah. What a day that's going to be. What an empire. What a king. Amen. That makes me want to serve him. Don't it make you want to serve Jesus? That makes me want to sing songs to him. Amen. That makes me want to lift my hand and praise him. I don't serve some dead God. I don't serve some baby laying in a manger. I don't serve some dead Jesus on a cross. I serve the king immortal, invisible, the king almighty. Jehovah is his name. He's the God of all gods, the captains of all captains, the king of all kings, the Lord of all lords. He's high. He's holy. He's righteous. He's good. Praise God. Woo! That's the God that we serve this morning. And for you few dignified people, I'm sorry. No, I'm not going to lie in the pulpit. I ain't sorry. I just can't help it. Isn't God good? Why sit we here till we die? Why sit around and die when we got so much to look forward to? We got a better economy. We got a better stock market on the other side. Jesus is coming, friend. They can have my house. They can have my little old piece of property. They can have my toys. They can have my cars. They can have everything this whole world holds. Just give me Jesus. I got something. I found me a treasure. Hallelujah. I found me a treasure in the Lord. Praise God. Hallelujah. Woo! He's coming, amen. How many of y'all believe Jesus is coming? What if the trumpet sounded right now and we got raptured out? Wouldn't this be a good place to go? Wouldn't you like to go to heaven from Las Vegas, amen? Hallelujah. Praise God. He may come. There ain't much in Rossville worth bragging on, is there? But there's a little place on the side of the road where God meets with us. Oh, bless his name. I'm telling you, 
what I feel in my soul this morning. I wouldn't trade it, hallelujah, for all the diamonds and the rubies of this world. You ever had God just drop an acre of glory down in your soul and fill you and thrill you? Woo, he's coming, praise God, he's coming. He's a coming friend. And he may come this morning. What are you going to do with Jesus? I tell you, if I was sitting in them pews this morning and I didn't know heaven was my home, I'm not gambling with my soul and eternity, friend. I wouldn't care what nobody in this building thought. I wouldn't care if I was a visitor or if I was a church member. I wouldn't care how many, prof- and I, you know me, I don't like for people to make multiple professions of faith. But on the same side of that, I don't want anybody to go to hell hanging on to a profession. Friend, you need to get in this morning. You need to get born again. If you ain't got something in you that makes you want to go to church and makes you want to live for God, every one of us messes up and we're failures. We know that. Don't none of us do like we want to or should. But I'm going to tell you something. There's something that got in me. There's someone. He got in me about 30 years ago. He's been living there for 30 years. And I just don't want to quit, do you? I fail him and I make mistakes. And I'm telling you when Sunday morning and Sunday night rolls around, there's something inside me said, you won't go to church. <laughs> and even when you're sick, there's something inside that said, oh, don't you wish you could go to church today? Don't you want to serve Jesus? There's days I don't always want to read like I'm supposed to. But I'll tell you, every now and then, well, it's more than every now and then. You just get hungry. Something on the inside. I was sitting there at my couch last night, about 1.30, and my old flesh said, you better get in bed. Got church tomorrow. When the flesh tells you you got church tomorrow, you mark it down. It ain't that thrilled about church. But I just read these pages. The Bible's so dear, isn't it? I got some books that I've read two or three times. But that's about it. After you read them two or three times, you've just about exhausted all you're going to get out of it. I found a treasure. I tell you, the pages of God's Word, they don't ever run dry, friend. That book is the most precious thing. And if it ain't never been precious to you, you need to get born again. You need to get saved. A preacher, I done been to the altar. That don't make you saved. Well, I signed a card and I got baptized. That don't make you saved. Amen. I want to ask you a question. Is there anybody living inside of you? Brother Sammy Allen said, I quit asking people when they got saved. I started asking them when they come out of the graveyard. I've tried that a few times. You know what I get? When they're not saved, they look at me like, you lost your mind. But every now and then, I look at somebody and say, when did you come out of the graveyard? They'll say, oh, let me tell you about it. When did you get out of the graveyard? You still dead? You still living in trespass of sin? Are you saved this morning? I tell you, I don't want nobody in this building. I know know it's after 12 o'clock, but I'm going to tell you something. 
I don't want nobody in this building to go to hell. I don't want nobody in this building. The rapture, the trumpet sound, and we all get sucked out of here. And you be sitting here looking around wondering where everybody went. You say, I don't believe that preacher. Doesn't shake me one bit. I believe every bit of it this morning. He's coming. I wonder this morning as we stand. I believe with all my heart there's somebody here lost. I believe there's somebody here this morning. I'm not a prophet. I can't see nothing. That's filling my soul this morning. The Holy Spirit leading me. There's somebody here this morning. If you don't get saved today, you're going to bust hell wide open, friend. You're going to wake up in the charred walls of the damned one day. And the only thing you're going to remember is this altar call, this service, this opportunity you had to get born again. Don't spurn the invitation. If you, don't, if you walk out of this building this morning you don't get saved, you're not turning away from me. You're turning away from God Almighty this morning. He's pleading. He's giving you an invitation. While Brother David sings, Christians are praying, I want you to come.